This podcast was recorded the week we learned of the passing of Cliff Simon. He died in an accident on the 9th of March, and we lost somebody very important to the Stargate franchise. And I'd like to offer my condolences to his friends and his family, who lost for more. Cliff died tragically too young. He had so much more to offer the screen, stage, television and the movies, and certainly more to offer the world as himself. We thank him for his portrayal of the system Lord Ball, which raised our favoured show to new heights. We'll remember him for as long as we remember Stargate. God bless you, Cliff. Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to the Stargate Archives and the latest edition of Stargate Theatre in which I take a look at a movie, TV or theatrical that features a Stargate actor either in a lead role or a supporting role. This week's movie is, wait for it, Jason X. Yes I know, not rated very highly as a movie or part of the Friday the 13th franchise but personally my (laughs) favourite. I really do enjoy this movie. For purposes of this podcast, the two main actors involved, Lexa Doig and Chuck Campbell. Jason X was made in 2001, at least at its world premiere in Germany at the film festival July the 24th, 2001. Premiered in the USA April the 26th, 2002 and in the UK July the 19th of the same year. It was directed by James Isaac, who also worked on House 3, Skinwalkers and Pig Hunt. Alas, James passed in 2012, age 51. The writer, credit goes to Victor Miller for the cast of characters from the original Friday the 13th. This movie, though, was written by Todd Farmer, who also wrote Drive Angry, The Messengers and My Bloody Valentine. The soundtrack, Henry Manfredini, who also worked on Deep Star 6, Cameron's Closet, House, House 2, Friday the 13th Final Chapter, the original Friday the 13th, very much horror, Oh, Wishmaster as well. Hmm. A very prolific composer. Jason X is currently available on Blu-ray and DVD, at least uh, in the UK. Looking at the Amazon store at this moment. Also on Prime Video, of course. Unfortunately, its Rotten Tomato score isn't very... uh, (laughs) isn't very appealing. Audience score of only 25% and tomato rating of 20%. Again, because I'm not a great fan of uh, the slasher horror genre is maybe why I like this. This is more science fiction, more humour, and he just happens to start the mass serial killer, Jason. But that's enough of that. We're going to jump straight in. Buckle up, enjoy the ride, enjoy the kills. Jason X. Here we go then. The movie opens up with the New Line Cinema logo, one of the more recognisable production companies. We get a very gothic, satanic-looking visage, as the camera pans around what looks like a burning hellscape. The camera zooms out and we see it's basically the capillaries of somebody's eyeball. Obviously Jason as a doctor's sticking him with a needle. <laughs> Lovely. The camera zooms back in and the credits continue. 
the credits alternate with this. Obviously, he's telling the backstory how Jason came to be here. Ultimately, he's uh, chained up, padlocked, and as the titles finish, we see a large empty room with a single individual held captive in the middle. And we are told it is the Crystal Lake Research Facility. Call back to the original, of course, Crystal Lake. Why not have probably a super secret compound where it all began? Well, Jason is covered in padlocks and chains. He's not going anywhere. Fortunately, he's awaiting cryogenic freezing. So at this point, I'd still consider him to be extremely dangerous. Jason in this movie is played by Kane Hoda, who has a truly impressive resume, both as an actor and a stunt performer. His role isn't overly demanding, but of course, the person inside the makeup, the prosthetics, the suit, always gets some good acknowledgement. The camera continues to pan around Jason. We move up to his face, he's got the traditional hockey mask on, and we see his eyes. Very sad eyes, really. Or very patient eyes, waiting for his opportunity. Which may come sooner rather than later, because the, uh, the lone soldier on guard looks a bit nervous. So much so, he grabs his jacket and throws it over the head of Jason. <laughs> I would rather like the scene from The Thing from Another World, where the guard gets nervous because he can see the shadow of the monster in the eye, so throws a, a heating blanket over it. Poor soldier. I don't think this is going to work out very well for him. We cut to a corridor, a number of guards walking down. Taking the lead is Dr. Wimmer played by David Cronenberg. Now that's a cameo. He meets up with Rowan, one of the scientists on the project, played by Lexa Doig. Lexa, of course, played Dr. Carolyn Lamb on Stargate SG-1. Surprisingly for 11 episodes, which came in for seasons 9 and 10. She was, of course, Andromeda and Romy on Andromeda the TV series. That's probably where most people know her from. She's also been in V, Smallville, Primeval New World, Sonia Valentine in Continuum, Arctic Air, Arrow, of course, Virgin River, and as a regular role on the Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries for the Hallmark Channel, and married to Michael Shanks, of course. She has serious reservations about Jason going anywhere. He is far too dangerous to keep active, to keep alive, even though, obviously, it's very difficult to kill Jason. Dr. Wimmer, though, has other plans for him. Research is going on. There's always ways to weaponize somebody or something like Jason. David Cronenberg, of course, is a well-known director. Also an actor, though. He's recently uh, been on three episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Go a bit further back. Alias, Extreme Measures, Videodrome, Director-wise. Wow. <laughs> the Dead Zone, The Fly, Scanners, Crash, Eastern Promises. And not to forget his many writing credits, even cinematography. He is just a very, very talented filmmaker. But that aside... We all know that his plans for Jason aren't going to come to fruition. But I'm, I'm sure Sergeant Marcus and his men can handle the transfer just fine. Sergeant? Everything's under control, man. They enter the main hall. They see the figure covered in the jacket. From our point of view, that doesn't quite look as big as Jason. In fact, when they, <laughs> when, when they take the coat off, it's the soldier boy. Oh, dear. I'm, they're not even going to explain how that happened, but you can believe it. Jason appears from nowhere, clubs one of the soldiers down, automatic weapons fire, strikes him, does nothing. Dr. Wimmer runs for the exit as another soldier goes down in a spay of blood and gore. Doctor, you ain't going to get far. 
No, indeed. Jason gets a huge piece of metal on the end of a chain, throws it like a javelin, and it goes straight through Dr. Wimmer's torso. Yup. <laughs> he deserved it. Foolish man. But where's Rowan? <laughs> we don't see her. Rowan, it turns out, is still in the corridor. She gets a surprise of her life as one of the soldiers is thrown through the doorway, covered in blood. He tells her he's sorry, and she's got to get out of here. But as the camera pans across, we see Jason's behind her. And credit to the cinematography for this movie. This is a very dark scene, but you can see every detail, and it really does look fantastic. The next few minutes of the movie is Jason patiently stalking Rowan. She leads him to the cryo chamber. As he walks in front of the pod, she opens up with a shotgun. Three or four blasts to the torso, drives him backwards, and he seals him in and relaxes, which was a mistake because the machete just goes straight through this pob and steel framework, straight into her gut, cryogenic gas starts to escape, the computer goes into lockdown, seals the room, Jason's in the pod, Rowan is collapsing to the floor as everything freezes. Fade to black. Alarm sound, the doors unseal and light shines down on the stairwell. Lots of cobwebs, definitely looks like time has passed. A number of people come down the stairs, they're wearing dusters, some steampunk style uh, face coverings, and they enter the cryo chamber. <laughs> they're not quite sure what it is, but they figure out that it's some sort of freezer unit, so they open it up and there's Jason inside, artistically posed with his machete already raised. They're curious about the face covering, one of the people believes it may be some sort of a breathing unit, another identifies it as a hockey mask from the outlawed sport from 2024. <laughs> They're very impressed that this is a museum quality exhibit. So, archaeologists? Yeah, could be. They find Rowan's body. By some miracle, she was perfectly preserved. In fact, a cell restoration is at 25%. So they can actually run some nanites into her and get her back alive. Meanwhile, uh, a young man, Azrael, uh, he's been warned about messing with any of the items found, but he's pushing Jason about. Turns his back, walks away, Jason's rocking and falls forward, and the machete chops Azrael's arm off. <laughs> so, even as Jason is unconscious, he starts killing, or at least attacking people. We see the Earth's surface, huge windstorm taking effect, the atmosphere is a dull brownish, huge amounts of debris, something serious has happened to the planet, and they make contact with the ship, which has some marines stationed on board. Contact Sergeant Brodsky by Peter Mensa. You may not know his name, but you will recognise him. He has been in a lot of stuff. Most notably True Blood, Sleepy Hollow and Spartacus. The shuttle gets to the ship, the beginning of the end. The crew disembark onto the ship along with the bodies. Professor Lowe, played by Jonathan Potts. He's been in Ginny and Georgia, Supernatural and The Sci Factor, plus many more shows. He takes Rowan into Lab 1. He calls on Adrian, played by Christy Angus. Seen here from Warehouse 13, Andromeda, The Commish, and Orphan Black. She seems to be the second most qualified, whatever their profession is, on board ship. And she takes Jason to Lab 2. Uh, I wonder who's going to survive the longest. <laughs> we see Lab 1. Looks like some sort of huge MRI-style device, which KM-14 is operating. KM-14 is played by Lisa Ryder, Forever Knight, The Strain, and Becca Valentine from Andromeda. Sonoron. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Chuck Campbell. <laughs> He's fixing Adriel's arms using nanites. Chuck was Chuck on Stargate SG-1 and Atlantis. 
also been in Pelswick and Sanctuary and uh, plenty of uh, B-movies as well. So we've got two former Stargate actors in this movie so far. The CGI of Nanites a bit dated. There is some very nice visual playback though on the monitors. Some good computer graphics. As Rowan's core temperature rises, the cells are repaired and she wakes up and immediately strikes the professor. <laughs> the last thing she remembers is she was fighting Jason, so a bit of a shock. They inform her that it's now 24.55 and she's perfectly safe. Oh yeah. Oh dear. We cut to the professor going to his quarters and making a video phone call. He is not just in this for academic purposes. There's money to be made from uh, museum quality relics and people brought back from centuries ago. The professor makes contact. He uh, reveals the news that he's got a 450 year old frozen specimen that's been brought back and is now perfectly fine. His contact isn't interested. Nobody cares anymore about people being brought back from the dead. There's thousands of them walking around. He mentions that the other one is Jason, Jason Voorhees. That piques the guy's interest, a well-known serial killer who disappeared centuries ago. That, to the right collector, is worth a fortune. You see the dollar signs <laughs> spinning in the professor's head. He can cut out the students because they are students. He's going to make a small fortune here. This is when Janessa walks in carrying a clamp and a bottle of bubbly. Professor, I think that uh, we need to talk about my midterm. So we really do know this Professor Lowe is a piece of crap. <laughs> we move on to Lab 2 where Adrian is still working on Jason. She's removed one of his eyes and is now putting off the hockey mask. It is well and truly stuck on there. Using a scalpel to cut the outline off and then slowly peels it off. Lots of goo, lots of gore. Not a pleasant sight. Oh, poor baby. No wonder you wore this thing. And this is where we take a little break from the impending doom. We see that the Professor and Janessa are having a high old time. KM and Tunanun, well, not quite sure what their relationship is. KM has some prosthetic boobs with uh, fake nipples which fall off when she moves. She wants to be more like a girl. Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, it does have echoes of Andromeda. One of the characters there seemed to be overly enamoured with the android version of the ship. We also get two of the students uh, making whoopee in their private quarters. This is a Friday the 13th film, so if, you have, if teenagers have sex, they die. So they're not long for the world. Adrian, however, has made a fatal mistake, an unbeknown fatal mistake. She has turned her back on Jason and is not paying attention to what is happening. We see Jason rise from the examining table, and when she turns and notices he's not there, she hasn't even got time to flinch. He throws her against the wall, grabs her head, drags her to the workbench where there's a very dangerous sink full of liquid nitrogen and just smashes her face straight into the pool. We see a great shot of the whole face solidifying, ice crystals forming. He lifts her out and then smashes her into the countertop and half of her skull shatters. Excellent kill. One of many to come. Because now Jason looks at the surgical instruments and finds... A machete equivalent. <laughs> Surgical steel. Sharpness that is unbelievable. Oh, he's going to have some fun. A group of the crew get together. And the Professor, Sunaron, KM, Rowan of course. She explains when she sees that one of the guys has got Jason's original machete. Why is he on board? Are you sure he's dead? <laughs> Prove it. 
And then we cut to the lab and we, we see him putting uh, Adrian into a body bag. The sergeant immediately calls his men to arms and the ship goes on to alert. And it's going to be too late, isn't it? Stoney and Kinsey are taking a break from their lovemaking. Stoney goes to open the door and he gets gutted by the machete of Jason. He's then dragged away as Kinsey, covered in blood, walks down the hallway in shock. Sergeant Brodsky orders seek and destroy. The professor is certainly not very happy about this. He does offer him a bribe to uh, take Jason alive. Brodsky's having none of it. Good for him. We see Jason enter a holographic room. A gaming room. Because Dallas and Azrael are playing Monster Hunt. <laughs> Dallas is played by Todd Farmer, the writer of this movie as well. However, Jason is not playing. He slices and dices the two men inside the hologram. When they reset it, they are sitting cross-legged on the floor with the gaming devices just to see Jason towering above them. He then proceeds to kill both of them as well, so he gets to kill them twice. Good for Jason. The ship is now on full alert. The Marines are searching the ship. They're going to kill Jason. The body count is going up. Yeah, this, this isn't good. Jason slowly creeps up on Crutch the Engineer. Just as he's about to bring the machete down, a call from the sergeant and his men open fire and full automatic. Crutch dies below the desk, bullets fly everywhere, chaos, destruction, but no body. So they're in a confined cargo bay, a number of the marines and Jason. Ah, <laughs> uh, my money's on Jason. Sergeant sends his men away, see which one, which one finds him first. And so the marines are all alone in the cargo bays with Jason. The first one to go is Sven, he gets his neck broken, very stealthy. The next, Condor, he's uh, up on some of the gantries and with an overview. He gets a few good kicks and punches in with Jason, but he gets thrown off and lands on one of the mining drills. And he slowly revolves around the helix. Sarge, we found Condor. What's his condition? He's screwed. Very, very nice kill. Gecko is next, he gets her throat cut, falls at the feet of Kicker, who sees a flash of uh, light in the machete and opens up on Jason, drives him backwards onto what looks like some sort of anchor, <laughs> hoists him up, but turns his back on him. You never turn your back on him. And while he's talking to the sergeant, Jason gets down and then basically cuts him in off. We see the body crawling away, guts and gore everywhere. Where's Briggs? That's one of the grunts. She's skewered on that same sort of anchor type device. Suspenders from the ceiling. That leaves Sergeant Brodsky alone. And Jason basically punches right through one of the walls, grabs him, some sort of spear right through his gut. That's not going to stop him. To make doubly sure, he puts a machete through Brodsky as well. And that's the last of the Marines. That leaves only the Professor and his students and Rowan left. I wouldn't put money on any of them surviving. Of course, we'd forgotten Crutch. He did survive, and he made it to the lab. Lou as well, he's uh, in the cockpit, bringing the ship out of hyperspace to uh, the base at Solaris, or Solaris base. Unfortunately, it's at that point that Jason decides to kill the pilot, and the ship is on preset course for Solaris, which makes you wonder about traffic control and safety. You come out of hyperspace directly on target for your location, you know, the base. So without any <laughs> interaction from the pilot, the ship ploughs into Solaris, smashes through the uh, huge dome, goes through what looks like residential quarters, thousands, tens of thousands are dying, and then the whole place blows up. They release a distress beacon, that's when somebody starts banging on one of the sealed doors to the lab. 
while all of them are focusing on this door jason smashes through the glass partition panic and chaos professor is left behind he attempts to negotiate with jason jason sees his original machete the professor thinks that's all he wanted and he wanted his machete and then we hear from a distance a scream in the background as the professor is obviously murdered they decide to make a run for the shuttle Sunaron and km go one way and they start making out why the hell not <laughs> uh, yeah i suppose that was always on the cards but uh, time and place people time and place rowan finds the body of brodsky surprisingly he's not quite dead she calls for help waylander leaves the bridge makes his way down there which leaves crutchell alone because when jason comes choppy chop <laughs> kinza is panicking she's locked herself in the shuttle and instead of actually opening the doors and a controlled departure she launches the shuttle while the docking clamps are still attached thrust comes on and it basically smashes up parts of the ship and she dies boom it's not going well for the survivors they're being picked off one by one or dying through their own stupidity jason then finally confronts rowan again but at this point sunaron makes his appearance and km has had an upgrade armor weapons black leather she's ready to kick ass afraid i'm gonna have to hurt you now a fierce battle ensues. KM has the upper hand for most of it. She finally gets Jason at her mercy. She blows away his arm, his leg. She uses heavy ordinance to rip apart his torso and blow pretty much half of his skull off. It looks like the machine has saved the crew. And of course, after this, there's only one thing to do. Grabs Sunaron and plants her whopper on him. Who's your mum? Alright! Brodsky, as it turns out, is definitely still not dead. <laughs> they get him on the treatment table, use some of their nanites, he's soon fully recovered. They do have a great medical technology, something that they will curse in a few minutes. They get a call from another ship that heard the distress beacon, they were going to be about 45 minutes away. Won't get there in time before the ship blows though, but Rowan has an idea. They move to uh, one of the other pontoons, blow the connecting passageways, and they're free of the main drive. Plan is in action. They all leave and the camera pans around to the main nanite medical bay where Jason is lying in ruins on the scanning table. Unfortunately, the computer shuts out, it starts booting up, it scans the table and the nanites go to work. Jason is reborn, bigger, badder, more technological than ever. <laughs> it's, it's strange really, Jason would have been finished if it had just fallen anywhere but the one place on that ship that could repair him. Watch out guys, he's coming. They have the idea to distract Jason a bit. They've got the holograms running, so they recreate Camp Crystal Lake. Jason walks right in, has a look around. Everything looks familiar. He sees two young women. They offer him beer, marijuana, and they love uh, premarital sex. Naturally, they strip off their tops, they're both topless. They jump into sleeping bags, beckon him over. Next thing we know, he's, he's grabbed one of the sleeping bags and he's using it as a, a bludgeon to, well, bludgeon the other bag. So he really makes, makes a mess of those two young holograms. The doors open. Rowan, Sunaran, with the KM's head, run through. Jason's right on the tail. Brodsky gets back inside and runs interference. He stands off against Jason. They get onto the rescue ship. It uh, breaks its seal and jets away. There's a huge explosion and as Jason is propelled towards the rescue ship but just before he hits Brodsky appears flashes into him and pair of them go into a decaying orbit around the nearby planet 
planet we didn't even know was there and was never mentioned up until this point. But well, we'll let that go. If you think about it, it's a decent way to kill somebody. Everything physical is going to get burnt up on re-entry. Unfortunately, on the planet, there's a couple on a lake shore. Obviously, you know, picnic, the blanket, maybe going to have a little bit of fun. They look up and see a shooting star. It landed in the lake. Why don't we go and have a look? And we cut to the lake and we see the remnants of Jason's mask slowly sink to the bottom. It never ends. It landed in the lake. Let's go check it out. And that was Jason X. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the slasher flicks, and certainly not the Friday the 13th series, but Jason X I really like. Because it's science fiction, because it's comedy, because you just got to sit back and enjoy it. The casting of the movie, perfectly fine, no complaints with anybody. A few familiar faces, which bumps the production up a notch. Lex Doig, perfectly cast as Rowan. Chuck Campbell, Sunneran, again, good casting as well. Lisa Ryder and Jonathan Potts, both good actors. A nice cameo by David Cronenberg and Kane Hoder did exactly what was expected of him. Overall production, pretty good. Most of the scenes look good, CGI, hit and miss. But on average, pretty high standard. Maybe you wouldn't go as far as to say theatrical standard, but certainly a high-end TV production level. That may have been its ultimate flaw. The audience, even with the science fiction element, were looking for a little bit more. Overall, though, I can understand why fans of the genre uh, don't rate it very highly. The box office certainly confirms that. While it made a little, two or three million more than its budget, that wasn't enough to justify calling it a success. One of the lowest performing movies in the series. But never mind, I still enjoyed it. That's all that matters to me. If you haven't already, go and grab a copy of Jason X. Give it a viewing and let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. If you do want to get in touch with, with the podcast, you can find us at stargatearchives.com stargatearchives at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook and tumblr and on twitter we are at the gatecast the podcast feeds we are on apple podcast amazon music google podcast podbay stitcher TuneIn. we have uh, rss feeds that you can manually add to any podcatcher apart from that i think that should do for this episode of stargate theater part of the stargate archives until next time then i've been mike take care everybody see you soon 